0: Hey there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's to today's message. Good morning, everybody. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my privilege to be pastor of this wonderful church. And... Uh, it's a church where God is really moving. We're just so excited uh, about everything that God is doing in our midst at the moment. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you're new to, to Springs today, you are extremely welcome. If you're just visiting, passing through, again, we, we're just so grateful that you're spending some time with us. And obviously, if you're a Springs regular, you are, of course, uh, particularly welcome to, uh, to come and share with us uh this afternoon right uh hopefully we can get our powerpoint on can we uh rachel great lovely um yeah so this afternoon uh, it's a it's a slightly different message to uh what we may normally have at, at springs it's going to it could be construed Uh, in one sense, being a little bit negative. I certainly hope uh, it doesn't come over as being negative. But uh, as you can see, the the theme that we we chose to, to speak about this evening is called, Who Turned Off the Lights? Subtitled, Why is the World in the Dark About Jesus? Do you actually think that's what it's like? Do you think it's a dark world that we live in. During September, we we started, we launched our kind of autumn series, and we spent September effectively looking at the theme that we, we loosely called Now is the Time, and we were starting to prepare the church for, for a season uh, of teaching and learning uh, about personal, natural evangelism, and today is, is the last of these preparatory messages before we launch the natural evangelism course this Wednesday in our life group. So if you're part of a life group in particular, uh, we're just entering a a really intense period where for the next six weeks we're going to be working through the, the personal natural evangelism course. And uh, I've had the privilege of looking through it. It's written by a guy called J. John, who's a very, very well-known speaker. It really is excellent preaching and teaching material. And we're really excited about where this is is leading as a church. We've been doing a little bit of preparatory work. We're going to finish that today. And then for the next six weeks in particular, we're going to be talking and studying and learning about natural evangelism. But when we look at the world today... We've got to be honest and say that nothing on the news, nothing in the news, uh, nothing in our newspapers if you still take a newspaper, nothing on the internet seems to be very positive. Literally, the only positive bit of news I could find in the in the papers today that I, I literally went through and thought, what good news is there? And this isn't great news, but but one of the good news stories was, That all of the Paddington bears that were given in tribute to the Queen have been cleaned and they're going to Bernardo's. That's pretty good news, isn't it? And the only other good news was the fact that 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 Fergie and Andrew are looking after the Queen's corgis for her while she's no longer with us. But I couldn't see anything else that was positive in the newspapers whatsoever, and um, the world seemed quite a dark place with with wars and rumours of wars, uh, and close to home, all of the issues. Uh, and the problems that we seem to be facing. So I want us to start by looking at this uh, next passage of Scripture, uh, which is really like looking at our newspapers. It's from Matthew chapter 24, and it's a story towards the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, when his disciples came to him and said, look what's going on in the world. So Matthew 24, and we're just going to read from verse 3 to verse 14. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and they'll deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then, if that's not enough, then You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from their faith, and they will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel... Of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In one sense, I guess, if you weren't depressed before you came into church, having just read that, we've done a really good job of making you think it's all doom and gloom. Now, why do you think Jesus told his disciples this? Do you think it was to frighten them and to scare them? I don't think it was. I think it was to prepare them, to tell them that even if what's going on all around you looks like the world is completely out of control, looks like darkness is taking over, looks like there is no hope, even if it feels like that, don't be concerned. In fact, these things are definitely going to happen. I believe he told the disciples and he's telling us these things, to assure us that even if we think that God's not in control, that's not the case at all. God is absolutely in control, even though these things that we've just been reading about are happening all around it. It's not easy easy reading, but it's relevant, isn't it? It's like looking out at our television screens. Those passages of Scripture, it's just like what's going on in the world at the moment. The fact is, the world is in a lot of darkness. They're in the dark. The majority of the world is still in the dark about the good news of Jesus. Many people don't know him at all. Now, when you think about it, there are really only two reasons why people would be in the dark about Jesus. Number one, they've simply not been told. Or number two, they've possibly been told... And they've rejected it. I don't think there's any kind of other alternatives. They either don't know, or they've been told and they don't care about it, or they've rejected it. Now, we can't do very much about that last point, the rejection point, but the onus falls on us to do something about the first point. If people in the world are in the dark about Jesus, our job is to shine our light. That's what we're called to do. So, Just a few more scriptures to read. I I think, Rachel, most of these will come up. Romans 3, verse 23 says this, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So two verses there which, which again confirm the world can be and is a very dark place. But then two much more positive scriptures, one from Isaiah 9, 2, which says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then in that passage of scripture that Sam read for us as we were worshiping, from Psalm 139, verse 12, we read together, even The darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So there we are, in a nutshell. We're in a dark world, but it's our job to shine our light before men. Our job is to be natural evangelists. Our job is to tell others about Jesus, not just with our voices and our words, but with our whole lives. A couple of weeks ago, as part of this preparatory season, Lynn's preached a, a message, uh, and, and some of the crux of that message was uh, about come and see. And don't invite people to church, but introduce them to Jesus. That's been one of the things that we've, we've thought of as a church ever since we've started. We're far more interested in letting people have a relationship with Jesus than we are about getting bums on seats in church. Yeah, it's great to see the church getting fuller and great to see the church moving on, but we're really much more interested about introducing people to Jesus than we are about seeing numbers of people here. And then last week, Pete told you all that you've got lovely feet. Do you remember? He told you all that your feet are absolutely gorgeous because he reminded us of the commission of Jesus. And last week, and, and we really hope that you you kind of latched onto this, and we're going to continue uh, pushing this. Pete launched our ten project, where we're asking you to commit to pray for ten unsaved people between now and Christmas. Not just pray for them, but to share Jesus with them. But it starts with prayer. If you didn't take one of the the sheets, it's not magic. It just says ten on the one side, and it's just a list of of lines on the other side but it's an opportunity for you to physically take a piece of paper and write down the name of 10 people that you are prepared to be committed to praying for between now and Christmas and don't worry if you can't come up with 10 if you've only got one person on your list you can give them 10 times the amount of prayer okay now so, now it doesn't really matter we're hoping it will be 10 but the most important thing is that we want all of you to think of friends of family members uh, of your family, people that you work with, people that you, you know would really benefit from a relationship with Jesus. And just commit to pray for them as you go through this natural evangelism course. So I'm just gonna give you the verses that Pete shared last week and then just move on a little bit. So the commission that Pete reminded us is this. Firstly from Isaiah, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And then Matthew 28, 19, these are the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That was the great commission of Jesus. And as we read from that passage in Matthew at the end where Jesus was telling us about all the terrible things that are definitely going to happen, he ended with these words. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world, and then the end will come. So part of our commission of telling the gospel, of preaching the good news, is actually bringing about the return of Jesus. And in fact, on the authority of Scripture, Jesus is not going to come back until the gospel has gone to the very ends of the world. So, if you like, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the whys, W-H-Y-S, not W-I-S-E, the whys of doing evangelism, why you should do it. That's what we've been talking to you about. We've tried to give you encouragement to be saying, look, we've got great news, we've got to shine our light, we're commissioned to do it. There's loads and loads of good reasons to do it you're commissioned, you're going to commit to pray for people, we're going to do an evangelism course, it's going to be fantastic. Well again, I don't want to be negative today, but actually what I'm going to kind of wrap this message up with is looking at some of the why nots. We're actually going to look in a little bit of detail at some of the why nots of doing evangelism. In other words, reasons that you may come up with for not wanting to do it. Now this is a little foretaste, if I can just come down here for a moment. This is actually a foretaste. If you're in life groups or if you uh, want to do the course and you're not in a life group at the moment, but this is actually the the book that everybody is going to be given. This is the the natural evangelism course. It's a really simple book. It's a six-week book. And this, the rest of this message is actually a little foretaste of the type of stuff that's going to be going on in life groups. Okay? So, we're just going to look, and this is from the book, at four... Reasons for why not that people come up with for choosing not to share their faith. Okay, four main reasons, and I believe these are probably the four main reasons that people don't share their faith. Can we have the next slide, please, Rach? I think that's it. The first one is this people are frightened of sharing their faith with other people because they feel inadequate. They don't feel up to it. The truth is, many of us get really tongue-tied and nervous and embarrassed if we're asked to talk about our faith, particularly if it's impromptu, if you're not prepared. You know, one of the verses in the Bible kind of says, always be prepared to give a reason for the faith that you have. But if we're honest, very often we're not prepared. You know, like it's it's relatively easy to prepare something in church setting and now I'm going to be sharing something about my faith and get it all ready and hopefully, you know, it makes a bit of sense to people. It's a totally different thing to be on the golf course or in the office and all of a sudden somebody kind of says to you, um, well, you had a good weekend, yeah, yeah, well, what did you do yesterday? I went to church. You know, it's that type of thing where you... You you kind of all of a sudden think, oh, I've got to start talking about this Christian life and, and what I believe in, and it's to somebody that I don't think's interested in, and I'm embarrassed about it. And and we feel inadequate. We just feel that we're not able to share our faith. We don't think that we're well educated enough. We don't think we're articulate enough. We we don't think we know the Bible well enough. We we know there are absolutely hundreds and hundreds of questions that, that people may very well ask us and we haven't got the answers to. You know, why does God allow this? If there's, if there's a God, why does this happen? We get all of these type of things and we feel totally inadequate. We, we don't answer the questions well sometimes. We mess up. Now, the good news is if you feel weak and vulnerable and inadequate... That is exactly where God wants you to be. To be honest, if you felt that you were brilliant at it and you could go out and, win, you know, you can't work with people that are arrogant. God loves humble people that don't feel up to the task. So, uh, can we have those next scriptures, please, Rach? Matthew 10, verse 19, these are the words of Jesus himself. He actually says, When you get arrested for your faith, do not worry about what to say or how to say it, because at that time you'll be given what to say. So the promise of God is this, that if you go out into the world and if you are ever asked to say something for Jesus, to speak about your faith, you'll be given the words to say. Now you may think that you've done a really bad job You may feel that you've been embarrassed, that you've stuttered, that you've stumbled, that you haven't explained it very well. But if you just claim the gift of the Holy Spirit, those mumbled, inarticulate, badly put together sentences that you come out with are actually what God wants you to say because people respond to people who are natural rather than somebody that's just got answers off pat. You must all yourselves have known that when we're in a church setting, very often it's the person that isn't capable, isn't, doesn't feel capable of standing at the front, the person that would rather be anywhere else than standing on the platform, that says the most profound things, that says the things that stick, the things that really get to you. It's like that when we're out in the world. You don't have to be articulate and you never have to worry on the authority of scripture about what you're going to say because God will give you the words to say. That's a promise. Take the promise believe the promise and just go for it one corinthians 1 27 if you feel inadequate paul wrote to the church at corinth and said god chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise god chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong if you feel inadequate that is actually a great starting place you want to share your faith come from a feeling of weakness, come from a feeling of being inadequate, and God can use you in remarkable ways. So that's the first question, the first reason, sorry, that people may feel that they don't want to share the faith. The second one is this. They're frightened, we are frightened, of losing reputation. Are you worried? Are you paralyzed with fear by what other people may think of you? Now, this is not an easy one to deal with, um, because even though I'd like to think, well, I'm pretty much my own man, I'm, I'm I'm 64 years of age, I've been around a bit, and actually I don't care that much what other people think of me. I'm gonna say what I want, I'm gonna believe what I want, and I'm not gonna give a rip about what other people think of me. I'd like to say that, and I'd like to believe it, but if I'm honest with you, it's not actually the truth. I do care what people think about me. I've got to be honest, I do care. When I was in business, it was really important for people to to like me to a certain extent because people only do business with people that they like. You know, if if you don't like someone, you're not going to buy anything off them, are you? And I know that, that in my business life, I spent a lot of time uh, networking, getting on with people. I was only talking to to, to Rach Price um, before the service about you know some of the appointments she's ma- she's making, and she knows when she goes into those meetings. She was telling me about this week that if people don't like her, they'll they'll, they'll give a very short strip. People like people, and I know that I had to spend a lot of time trying to be likable, and I didn't want to be thought of as some type of religious nutcase. I didn't when I went into to meet clients that could potentially introduce me to kind of really beneficial things like kind of lots of money or what have you. I didn't want them to think I was a religious nutter. Or even worse, I didn't want them to think that I was some type of sanctimonious, stuck-up, holier-than-thou type of person, believing I was better than everybody else. I'd have hated if, if people thought that of me. If I'm honest, I don't like people taking the mickey out of me that much. I don't mind a bit of gentle ribbing. I, like, I enjoy a bit of banter, but... Do you know what i'm saying do you relate to that do you relate to that are you really frightened of losing your reputation this isn't an easy one because actually we have to look at what jesus did for us and it says here in philippians you've got the scripture there jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness jesus put aside his reputation totally for us, and therefore, quite bluntly, one of the ways of dealing with the, the fear of your loss of reputation is to accept what Jesus did for you, and basically, I don't know if I can even use this expression nowadays. But you need to man up a bit, or woman up. I don't know expression, woman up. I don't know. You, could, you need to woman up, or you need to man, you, you need to to be, you know, to be bold and to actually do something about it. Now, I also know that some people are. Far more gifted in sharing their faith than others. Some people are genuinely more natural evangelists than others. I can think of two or three people I know that would never in a million years want to grab a microphone and speak to a group of people. But they are brilliant about just naturally sharing their love of Jesus, their faith with the people that they meet. As we go through this course, I really believe that we will be looking at ways that we can naturally share our faith with other people, the people we meet, people that are important to us, without that cringe factor being there. Are you up for that? Do you want to learn a bit more about it? I I need to learn so much more about just sharing my faith in a natural way. It's so important for us. And we do have to accept that our reputation may have to go on the line from time to time. Okay. The third main reason people don't share their faith is fear of rejection. Now, rejection is actually hard to handle, but it's part of everyday life. My old business partner used to have an expression which he used. I I probably heard him say it, oh, without exaggerating, I would say, at least a 100 times a year. You know, twice a week, he'd say this, praying to me. And his expression was always this. If you throw enough mud, some will stick. He didn't actually use the word mud, but I think you know what I'm getting at. If you throw enough mud, some will stick. And what he actually meant there was that when you're in business, there will be lots and lots of knockbacks and rejections. But actually, the way you have to deal with rejection is to get up, dust yourself down, and go again, and go again, and go again. You've, you've got to be prepared to take rejection. It actually happens. Most of that, I mean, in business life, it happens all the time. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll be going out, you'll be trying to get some business, and people reject you. They don't want to deal with you for whatever reason. Jesus told us very clearly that when we try and share our faith, you've got to be prepared to be rejected. He told uh, this story once that most of you will know the story of a man that went out to sow seed. And the the point of the story was it was basically about preaching the gospel about about sowing seed, which is what we're called to do. And Jesus told the story that that some fell in good soil, but a lot of it fell on hard ground or in stony ground or, or it grew up and it got choked. And if you look at the basic maths of the story, the parable of the sower, Jesus is actually saying to you, at very best you're going to get a 25% success rate. That's the best you got. 25% of the seed in that story grew. 75% didn't do anything. If you are going to be serious about sharing your faith, please be prepared to accept some rejection and don't fear it. It's going to happen. Jesus told us it's going to happen. It doesn't reflect on you at all. I think the big key to this is, is, is this, and this is the point. We mustn't say people's knows for them. Often, when I've thought about somebody and thought about sharing my faith, often I hear the words, oh, they won't be interested. They won't want to know about that. What on earth makes you think that they have any interest in what you did over the weekend in your life? And, and so often... We are saying people's no's for them to the extent that we think, well, they won't be interested, so I won't bother. And actually what we're wanting to do is we're covering up the fact that we're worried that they're going to reject it, but we say their no's for them. Please do not do that. Just give it a go, share your faith, and be prepared to see what happens. Again, we can look at the example of Jesus I've told you already, preached about the fact that we could be rejected. But these verses here, Isaiah 53 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. And then John 1, 11. He came to his own people, but even they rejected him. When Jesus started out he was quite popular for the first kind of two and a half years of his ministry we read that because he was going out performing miracles when he was uh raising the dead when he was preaching these wonderful sermons with great illustrations that people could uh, could really relate to when he was taking the mickey out of the 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 stuck up pompous religious types of people the, the crowds loved it and there were multitudes following him as he walked into Jerusalem a week before he was going to be crucified, the crowds turned out en masse to welcome into Jerusalem. Just a week later, Jesus was left with something like about a hundred followers. He knew what rejection was, and we're going to expect it. We're going to receive it. But for every one person that rejects. There will be another one somewhere that accepts. So don't live in fear of rejection. And okay, the last reason, and and as I say, lifted right from the the J. John book that people don't want to share the faith, is that some people are frightened of being or appearing hypocritical. Have you ever heard these words? Who do you think you are? What right have you got To be telling people about Jesus. I'd like to say to you if you've heard those words, you've almost certainly not heard them from other people. You've heard them inside. You've heard a voice inside your head saying to you, Who do you think you are? You know exactly what you're really like. How dare you even think that you're worthy to go out and share your faith when you do this, that, and the other. They're not words other people say to you very often, but they are words that the enemy will probably whisper in your ear because one of the the ways that the enemy tries to stop us sharing our faith about Jesus is simply telling us that we're being hypocritical, that our lives don't match up to the standards that Jesus sets and that actually we are not able to share our faith. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, you can still share the good news of Jesus. In one sense, it doesn't even matter if in your own personal walk with God at the moment, you're struggling somewhat. Even though you may be in a period of your life where where things are going wrong in your life, where God seems a long way away, even if you're in that situation, amazingly, you can still share your faith with other people and have a really profound impact on people. You would be shocked, I'm sure, if you looked at some of the preachers that we have here and preachers elsewhere, that sometimes, let me tell you, as preachers, we're not always as close to God as you might think we are. And sometimes we're kind of running on empty fumes. Sometimes we're just having to trust from the bottom of what we've got left, that God can still use us, even though we feel that we've got no right to be standing up here. God has chosen us despite who and what we are. In fact, God has chosen us because we are the apple of his eye. St. Paul, that scripture you've got there, says this. Here is a trustworthy worthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I genuinely f- believe that Paul felt he was the worst person that ever lived. I think that if you ask Paul... What do you think about yourself? He he did but he called himself the chief of sinners. I think he would say, I'm the worst person that ever lived. I went around killing Christians. I'm the worst person. I've done terrible, terrible things. But Paul didn't consider himself a hypocrite. He just said, look, I'm a sinner saved by grace, and all I'm doing is sharing what Jesus has done for me. It's not hypocritical to share your faith even if you're in a really bad place for various reasons. So uh, I think the band are going to come up now. Um, and uh, I just want to pray into these four issues uh, as we, we kind of wind up today. I hope it's given you a little bit of a taster of what we're going to be doing. I hope that you, you're excited about this course. This is just a really small part uh, of, w- of what you're going to be looking at in your, in your life groups. Um, but just... Um, while the band get ready I, I just want us to pray for a moment and just respond to the message that you that you've just heard so let's just pray father we thank you that um, we have seen the light when we meet jesus we thank you that you tell us to just go and shine our light you, you don't expect us to be clever you don't expect us to be well-versed in Scripture. You don't expect us to be wonderful people. You just expect us to be your children and say, go into the world and tell the world about your dad. Tell, your world, tell the world about Jesus. And Father, we, we get it wrong so often. But today, Father, I just want to pray that if anyone here feels inadequate, that they just don't feel capable of sharing their faith, I pray through the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit that you will right now give us supernatural confidence such as we've never experienced before about sharing our faith. Father, I pray that you'll help us to be bold and not fear rejection. What does it matter if somebody isn't interested It matters to you about them, but it doesn't affect us. Father, help us to know, Jesus told us, that that rejection doesn't mean we've goofed up at all. Help us not to fear it. Father, we thank you that Jesus put his reputation right on the line for us. When he was crucified, he was naked, and beaten he didn't think about what he looked like or what people thought of him he did it for us father help us all to not be so proud of our reputation that we can't share our lord jesus with others and father i pray that you'll help us to realize that no matter what we've done no matter how close we may feel to you it's never hypocritical to introduce people to the person that saved us. It's made a difference in our lives. So, Father, we, we're excited about this new course that we're about to undertake. We, we just commit it to, we pray, Father, that as we, we gather as a church and over the next six weeks, we, we really begin to dig into this uh, natural evangelism course, this resource that we've been given. I pray, Father, that you'll help us to learn more and more about how we can naturally share our experience of Jesus with those we meet. Father, I pray that, that you'll begin to speak to us about those ten names that we should be thinking about, praying for. Help us to rise and accept that challenge. And finally, Father, I just want to say that if anyone is here in this room today that has perhaps just read a scripture for the first time and realized that they're not walking with you, that they've never accepted Jesus as their own Lord and Savior. They, they can't really share you because they don't know you. I pray tonight, Father, that no one will go from this place without, as Tim was sharing himself, praying that prayer, just asking Jesus into their own life to accept them as they are, to begin to change them, to cleanse them of their sins, to help them to know that they can be born again in jesus so thank you for being with us we just continue to worship and love you lord jesus amen thanks again for listening to hear more of our messages make sure to subscribe to our youtube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.